everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. We're talking about parenting, pregnancy, healthcare, politics, feminism, spirituality, sports, food, work, the kids, you know, everything, all the stuff that makes us us. I've said it before, and I think I'll just keep saying it until it resonates far and clear. Once you become a parent, whether it's in the early pregnancy stage or the early diaper stage or even, you know, later during childhood, you are still you. The multifaceted, multidimensional, fun, complicated, quirky person you've always been. You. You're still you. And frankly, even in the mother-baby dynamic as early as pregnancy, you're the most important part of the equation. If you want a mother-baby family that's healthy, high-functioning, and happy to be with, then parents' needs, most especially moms, must come first. And that's something that often gets overlooked during pregnancy and the you know earliest days of pre- parenting. As soon as you get that plus sign, it's all eyes on baby. And believe me, I get it. I can't take my eyes off a cute baby, and it's very precious cargo. But seriously, we'd all do better if instead we used parenting and pregnancy as a springboard to make mothers and parents as strong, resilient, and healthy as possible. Then our babies will follow suit and be strong, resilient, and healthy. Anyways, that's what we talk about on this here podcast, and this week we're going to talk about all that with an old friend of mine, Rebecca Egbert. She's a midwife, entrepreneur, and the founder of The Mother Love and Little Mother's Helper, which is an app and deck of cards that focuses on postpartum and whole woman wellness. But before we get Rebecca on here, it's time for a little shameless pandering. First and foremost, you are going out and buying my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, right? Most of the questions you have about prenatal care, the roller coaster of pregnancy, birth, new parenting, it's probably in there. So go buy it wherever you get your books. Second, our audience is really growing, but I need your help to really give this podcast a boost. We need positive reviews, and please, oh, please share this podcast with your friends and on social media. Tag me, and let's get this information to way more families. Thirdly, We need sponsors, so hit me up with all your questions about how you and your business can be part of this international conversation among all kinds of people in your target market by emailing info at genefaulkner.com. Okay, enough of that. Now, let's get Rebecca on the line. Hello? Hi, Rebecca. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am really good. We haven't spoken in a little while. It's been a little while, lady. It has been a while. I've missed you. (laughs) I'm glad you reached out. Thanks for touching base. Yeah, me too. So where exactly are you in the country right now? Right now, I am sitting in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Right. Yeah, the good old Midwest. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and as my listeners know, I'm sitting in Portland, Oregon, and for once, it's not raining. It's gorgeous. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, what I want to do is read a little bit from your. Um, I just pulled some information from Little Mother's Helpers about me page. I'm going to read that and then okay. ask you a few questions. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Rebecca Egbert is CEO, founder, and midwife um, at. Little Mother's Helper. Many of the past 17 years have been focused in women's and maternal health with four years building and reimagining ways to disseminate health information. Given her focused experience as an educator, midwife, and entrepreneur, she is able to view social and business challenges in a fresh way and develop creative solutions. Intuitively, Rebecca brings a human-centered view to her work. With clarity of vision, she pushes thinking forward applying optimism when there are roadblocks, identifying ways to build momentum, and impact sustaining progress for future generations. Woo! And with all that, Rebecca, my first question is, 
Who are you and what do you oh do? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm just a girl from the Midwest. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's a good thing. So what I do, who am I? It's a big question. Mm. Mm, that's a good one. I think that was explained pretty well. But um, I am a 40-year-old woman, 41-year-old woman. And I have, I've been looking a lot at this the last year of kind of uh, looking at my past and, and letting go of pieces of myself um, because, you know, we can take what, like what we do as far as work um, and make that such an important part. But um, I would say I am a woman who loves um, the world we live in as long as there's humanity at the core of it. <laughs> and um, right now I am seriously fighting hard for the humanity of healthcare when it comes to the United States of America. Um, I have a lot of energy. I just said to my friend yesterday, I'm like 15 people packed into one body. And um, and you might have seen that just knowing me a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, I like that about you. <laughs> I um, come from a Cajun mother and a father from the middle of Iowa. And um, I definitely have inherited her spunk in his laugh. And um, she's got a pretty big laugh too, but he had like this big jolly laugh. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say I'm an advocate. I am a lover of like gardens and growing things and flowers. I have like a great bouquet from my garden just sitting on my desk right now. And um, I was, I practiced midwifery. I actually lived in Portland, Portland myself for the last part of my student preceptorship. So I have a deep affinity for where you live. And I came, I was, I, I juggled between practicing midwifery and Oregon or going back to Montana. And I decided to go back to Montana and serve rural women and do out of hospital birth and, um, and practice there for a little bit of time. And then just kind of hit a, a little mini personal like wall in my late thirties and moved back to the Midwest and, practiced here again and got and that's where we met with every mother counts because mm-hmm. I got very involved in love and had fell in love with the community mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um and in between practicing midwifery I quit because I was totally burnt out and um um needed a and there was like a inner calling I guess you would say there was just something inside of me like a gut calling to to really start working on the advocacy of improving women's health. But I thought that was going to be coming in the form of like getting a license, like an MD, MPH. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead I started this business, The Mother Love, and it's turned into a company that's taking its own flight right now as we speak. And um, in the midst of kind of discovering what that was, there's been a many different there's been a few different faces I guess you would say at this point there's been me kind of coaching and consulting and then I created Little Mother's Helper and Little Mother's Helper and then from that has just kind of taken the business has totally taken a different shape than I would have ever imagined like today I mentioned to a friend that we're looking at like how we can use AI in our future development and um, artificial intelligence and just like to communicate with women Um, and that just never would have crossed my mind 10 years ago. (laughs) So, um, so that's a bit of what I do right now is that I say, you know, for the mother love, we build inclusive technology and connected communities and that's through our products. And, um, I can tell you a little bit more about that, but really at the end of the day, I'm always going to be a midwife and always looking at, um, ways to improve access to health information to women in a way that they use it in a way that it empowers them to take ownership of their health and also know how to advocate for their own health care when they, you know, go to a provider of any cho- um, choice mm-hmm. and, um, and understand how to ask the right questions and then, you know, and, and hopefully get into care in the right places and then, um, find a whole, you know, the whole, uh, like a whole assortment of providers that will take care of them versus just thinking there's one way or this way in, in healthcare, since there's such a big bucket of, um, of opportunities out there when it comes to providers. So that's, I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit about me. That's comprehensive, (laughs) but you left out, you left out part. Cause what did I leave out? As 
as you mentioned, we go back a few years because of EM yeah. Every Mother Counts. Yes. And they have a huge running component. Oh, and, that part. <laughs> and you're not only a long distance runner, but you're like a super, uber, mega <laughs> run forever kind of runner. I don't even know what you call it. I'm an, ul- an ultra marathon runner and yeah. specifically like a mountain runner. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> oh my god so I mean like one time you know I didn't even know so I didn't even know at the time when I was in midwifery school that there was actually like a running event called miles for midwives and now I see them everywhere but um so in order to raise we all had to raise money for our school at some point and so in order to do like my community service my raising of money I decided to attempt to run around Mount Rainier <laughs> Which is what, 40 miles or something? No, it's 99 miles. Oh, 99. Yeah, and I was like, that's, I mean, I got 40 miles is what happened, but it also got really cold, and my head of school decided to run with me that day, and that just was, it was, I I go into nurture mode and, like, make sure she, like, and she had never run that distance, and so we just ran together, and and I came out at, like, I think 33. You'd ran how many miles in one day? Well, it was, it was like half a day, 33 miles. And oh then, my yeah. God. And, and, and it was, it was beautiful up there though. I tell you, but anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for me, when I started, I started running ultras when I was like, um, started doing distance mountain running when I was 25. And, um, I just last week met up with my friend who took me on my first really long trail run. I lived in Telluride, Colorado at the time. And, um, you know, I realize I have, like I said, I have 15 people inside one body mm-hmm. and that running um, like that helps me do my own quote unquote like medicine work. And I mean that on a real spiritual sense and mm-hmm. it allows me to kind of sort out all the um, really kind of high level thought processes that I have. And I don't clearly have mountains here in Minnesota, which is a whole different practice, but I still do the long running without, um, without a goal, like without, without the goal of a race in mind at this point, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it is truly, um, just a time for me to understand that it's uh, a break and a time for a reset for my body, for one thing, for my mental health. And then also for my spiritual health. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I'm really appreciating that I can return to that. I used to call them, I used to call them my own quote unquote shamanic journeys (laughs) Mm because at a certain point in these long distance runs, like let's say 50 mile runs, like my very first 50 mile run, I can remember at around like 37 miles knowing I still had to complete the race. I had 13 more miles to go through really difficult terrain and there were no aid stations in this race. And, I can always, I will never forget just like hiking up this mountain because at certain points you don't run, you just slog up big steep mountains and, um, and just like tapping into whomever I could pull on at that point that was like, you know, out in the world and just saying, I think I really, I was, I was like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing, you know, and just feeling like I was, um, and just tapping into that we each have medicine inside of our, like our bodies and our, and our souls. And, um, that, that is actually something that we need to nurture. And, um, yeah, I love that stuff. It's, I'm crazy. I'm really crazy. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) Thank you. How did you find yourself in the birth world? How did I find myself in the birth world? Um, I, I, um, when I, well, I wanted to be a doctor at a very young age because my grandfather was a physician, a family practice doctor out in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I always remember in eighth grade saying, I want to become a doctor to some friends of mine. And, um, so I went through high school saying, I'm going to become a doctor. I went to a women's college, my first year of college and then transferred and um, kept on the path of women's health, but switched into experiential education somewhere in the midst of all my university time. And Mm -hmm. so I studied holistic health and that made me want to continue to focus on women's health. Um, And then right out of college, I went and um, traveled to New Zealand and met this man and he said, you should become a midwife. And I remember saying to him, I don't know what a midwife is. And, you know, that just sets apart the dichotomy between what it would be like living, growing up in the U.S. versus growing up in the U.K. where they might use, they still, they use midwives quite frequently for their care. Right. And women just right. go to midwives. So you don't know what a midwife is? I was like, no, what does that mean? You know? And so 
he told me what it was and I was like, I like that, you know? So of course I kind of, that clicked in and I became a doula and then I did that for a couple of years and then just started my, um, I was living in Montana and I got introduced to the midwives in the community and there were only like two or three. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. who's serving women, you know, in this big, huge state and, um, nobody (laughs) exactly. And so, um, got hooked on, um, midwifery there. And, um, and I really thought, did I want to do a CNM or a CPM or what path did I want to do? And I ended up going to do the, uh, CPM because that was a very regulated license in our state of Montana. And I appreciated the service and the collaborative care that they had with the hospitals. And, um, so I went out to Bastyr university. It used to be called Seattle midwifery school. And, um, and it was not because I had babies. It was because I always believed that women deserve awesome access to healthcare. And I think midwives deliver it. So, yeah. And I, and I really feel like I hold so much gratitude for you or like your town and your city and the midwives in that, because I know that, that there are, there's tension. And yet what I saw as a student there was the uh, really, I'm like, my hands are like in this cupping position or this like orb thing where like women, we all held from where I stood, I felt like I was getting, I was in an area that was, space was really held right. And conversations Mm -hmm. were happening. And um, we were able, even though I feel like life is very political (laughs) in general, um, we were able to say, what's the goal? The goal is healthy women and healthy mothers. Let's focus on that. And where do we learn from each other? And how do we have collaborative conversations? Mm -hmm. But that's also because that's sort of my mission with midwifery. And um, and, um, so maybe that was my experience in it. But um, yeah, I do think that Portland does a pretty good job. I think that they're they're leading the national conversation right now about how how to incorporate midwifery, um, you know, as, as a leading provider in, in maternal health care here, and they're doing a good job. Yeah. 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 So now you're the founder and CEO of the Mother Love and Little Mother's Helper, and I want you to tell us more about it. Okay. Um, so Little Mother's Helper is our little, it's our first child, as I like to say. And um, it really was, it comes from, you know, years of work as a midwife and seeing gaps in the postpartum health care um, well, just period postpartum healthcare. Um, so, uh, I had been working on content for quite like about a year and a half. And I just was riding on an airplane, reading a bunch of research on post, um, postpartum depression really, and how different outcomes were, um, occurring around the, the, the country. And, um, and I, and I just said, okay, like I got to download. It was like, make a self-care kit. And I thought, you know, I could do all these boxes, like how are happening out in the world. But I was like, no, mm-hmm. let's focus on education. Let's look at the, th- the tenets of p- public health. And we know that access to providers, access to education, and we, you know, access to care in general um, improves um, poor outcomes. And, you know, because Every Mother Counts had totally brought all the research I was looking at to the surface and in, 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 in the, into a national conversation while I was finishing up midwifery school, I was like, I was able to say, Hey, let's focus on this access to education piece. That's like, that could be a cool self-care kit. Right. So, um, I was able to pull together all the content in this, to this deck of cards. And, you know, I was like, well, how do we fund this? Like, idea you know so we did the crowd we did kickstarter and it was really cool because what we what we showed from our from from getting funded on kickstarter was that not only could we get them raise the money but we could build the community and our Mm -hmm. community like tripled during that month-long process and i think to me that was one thing that i had really listened that like not only can we build information for women and speak in a way that they they speak to each other and give them the resources that they're really looking for versus what their providers think they want which is there is a dichotomy there um Mm -hmm. then then we can also grow this community and like and then women can start talking to each other and like and really getting what women want more of you know so um so now we're growing in the sense that the product lines are gonna develop and and age with the business and um we're gonna start um we're gonna stay kind of in our little wheelhouse for a while and then um we're gonna start building out content and also expanding the platform so that um 
uh, we can meet women where they're at. We can provide them with the health information that they're looking for. It can be evidence-based and it can be peer-reviewed. So those are kind of, you know, key, like core tenets and key tenets within like not only um, is it it's is it good for all of us, but it's also, you know, it helps providers speak to humans. And um, but then it, like, it lets them talk to each other, you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a I don't know, holistic, fun, educated way. So um, we yeah. So it's 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 fun to know that women will be able to come to us. You know, we're going to be immediate postpartum and they'll, they'll be able to stick to us over the lifetime of their um, health journey as women. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're definitely filling a gap that exists in the you know in the maternal health field because you know once you have that baby and you are discharged from the hospital or your midwife goes home then that's it bye-bye see you in six yeah yeah call us if you have trouble okay and then you know and i mean and, and and then what happens at four months and what happens at you know so there's a few clinics around the country that are actually saying hey we're going to follow up with you at three months postpartum and hey we're going to follow right. up with you at six but that's not standard of care so if acog and the stand and acnm and everybody in the model is not pushing it then the, all the providers don't do it because of everything that costs to run a clinic etc cetera, etc cetera, you know but sure. it's like that thing where, where which made you write out to, uh, reach out to me was that thyroid conversation you know a lot right. of that deficiency starts showing up in women and they don't know if it's anxiety, you know, it starts showing up in the form of anxiety for thyroid because that is just part of the disorder. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so they don't know if they have postpartum anxiety, if it's, you know, or if it's a physiologic or are they deficient, are they vitamin D deficient? Like they just don't know. And then since there's no set protocols, um, they, you know, they don't know, they don't know what to do, you know, except for you can jump on social media, but like the majority of women are not getting the health and the information that they want from social media, like 65% are not, you know, so, but, but if they yeah. know that there's something mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe this symptom or this mm-hmm. pack of symptoms that I'm experiencing is actually my thyroid, then they can go to their, their yeah. provider and say, Hey, yeah. Run a pan. Yeah, and I don't feel this. And, and you know what? The most common occurrence I'm hearing from women is there's initial pushback because a thyroid panel without health insurance is very expensive. And what's again, what's cool about the you know the the digital health world and the and the and the yeah well the, and just the healthcare world outside of the medical model uh, is that we can now there are FDA approved you know, tests that we can take and that we can, you can do at home, but, and, and then the interpretation comes along with those. I mean, they're new companies, so it's like they're, they're still evolving, but pretty soon, you know, a lot of doctors are jumping on board with this because they're ab- actually able to progress humans and patients quicker than um, they can within their own health systems, which will be a really interesting um, thing to watch. <laughs> As, you know, because yeah. I, I do, I respect our, I respect the people practicing medicine a lot. And I know that most of us have um, uh, bump our heads against walls because of the barriers and all the protocols we have to follow. And, um, but it's really fascinating that we can have not only the medical model, but we also have this like tech health model going on. This is like, growth mm-hmm. <laughs> and change but um mm-hmm. you know like at the end of the day we're a health information company and um that just is doing it completely different than um than the people who have been out there for like 25 years you know so and it's exciting yeah. and fun and um and it's fun to watch women find us every single day and be like oh my gosh i didn't know you existed this is so great you know and um and we're learning as we do it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, you know, that kind of health information technology, especially in maternal health, is it's huge. huge in other parts yes. of the world. We're so yes. slow here. <laughs> I had this amazing conversation with a, a professor of public health from Boston College last week. And, I mean, I left the conversation and just, like, my brain was – my whole body and my brain, everything part of me was, like, lit up just because she was, like, you are shifting culture around this topic right now. And – uh, again, not something I plan to do. Totally excited about doing it, but like, you know, um, she's. We really talked about digital health, and the one thing we both know is that whether you are in the inner city of Boston, and you don't have really any money, you live on you know assistance or whatever, and um, live with thirteen people, or you live in um, African country, most people have a smartphone. 
you know, and she was just mm-hmm. like, we just talked about mm-hmm. the importance of getting these kind of things to women all over that can't afford, you know, providers easily. So, or access to healthcare and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like, it's, that's a learning curve for me. And I can't wait to get into it, into that deeper because she just like definitely yeah. planted a lot of seeds last week. And I was like, Oh my God, how fun would that be? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. cause it really is like, how do you make it culturally inclusive? Um, and that's a piece that we want to work on because I believe that we can use the word inclusivity as a, a buzzword right now. But um, how do you meet mm-hmm. with women of all different cultures and say, this is like the overarching, like, this is what we want to talk about. Um, how do we make it yeah. um, right? How do we, how do we make it nurturing to women in, you know, in your community that are having babies? What's different than what's, you know, what's in ours? What? Well, what what's also different about what you're what you're offering in terms of educational information and content is you are acknowledging that actually health is not a commodity provided by healthcare mm-hmm. providers, but something that women nurture mm-hmm. in themselves. We, we all mm-hmm. have health. It's you know, what makes a cut heal. Mm-hmm. It's what you know makes us capable of growing yeah. children. Yes, that's our health. So you're telling women that healthcare is more than, you know, going to your appointments and right. getting your blood test and peeing in the cup. It's all of the things that you have to do to yeah, nurture your own totally. body. And, and saying, you know, instead of yeah. making you feel like what you're going through is uncommon, making, make, like reassuring you that it's actually quite normal and common, you know? So, and that, right. um, and then, and the more we can get you engaging with maybe someone in your community that you might never meet, but you could meet because of our, because of our platforms, um, that you might mm-hmm. be like, Oh my gosh, thank God I'm normal. <laughs> you know, or, or this is, this is happening yeah, to you yeah. too. Okay. You know, cause it does, especially for a new mom specifically for this product. Um, it takes a while to find those people, you know, I think Instagram's a great relief, but then what happens when you're having a hard day and it doesn't feel like a relief, you know, you, you really need, you need real humans. humans. I just like binge listened to yeah. Brené Brown's new, um, uh, braving the wilderness yesterday. And I'm, I'm uh-huh. just got to plug that in here for this podcast and saying to all the women listening that it's really worth the listen. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be tough for some people. And I think she acknowledges that because she is, um, she, she says a lot of truth, but as far as, um, that thing of really having the human connection, uh, she talks a lot about social media and it's one of the cards in the deck too, is, um, about it, like, you know, being a mom is hard or something like that. And it talks about like the stress of social media and, um, and that piece of connection of getting face to face with somebody and, uh, and why mm-hmm. neurobiologically <laughs> we need that, you know, why we need that for the release of right mm-hmm. hormones and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, um, the resolution of cortisol. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We need it. We're humans. We do. We need, we need it. Humans. We need the touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So you offer a whole lot, a lot of really yep. practical tips. Um, for postpartum women. And I want to talk about some of them. Um, We talked a little bit about, you know, one of them, pay Mm -hmm. attention to lab results. Um, Do you want to expand on that? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, in in what context, the one like specifically like thyroid or are you thinking just in general? Um, Yeah. Well, I think that I I pulled some information off your site and it said, you know, remember how many times you peed into a cup or had blood drawn (laughs) during prenatal care? (laughs) Turns out, Paying attention to those labs postpartum. It really is, is. yeah. That's um. So so I think it's funny how again it's like you do all this you do all this work of growing the baby and then the, mo- the time where we actually need the most care we don't get any, and so um so I like I if I could create like kind of an ideal world of what women could be able to do for themselves is definitely um, one thing that would be happening in the, in the first six months postpartum is is getting you know a thyroid check and just getting and instead of just getting your th tsh look at um, because there is postpartum thyroiditis and just stuff that really isn't talked about that much, you know, unless it's again, one of your friends has it and you mention how you're feeling and they're like, oh, have you had your thyroid checked, you know? So um, again, I kind of mentioned, I breezed through them. Another thing, you know, really uh, looking at um, hyperglycemia and a hy- or hypoglycemia, one of the two, just because of the mm-hmm. hormone changes that are going on in your body with if you're breastfeeding. Um, that it's important to mm-hmm. make sure that like you you actually are getting the right amount, like your blood sugar is doing the right thing. So it's just like as if we were, mm-hmm. would go to, um, 
you know, just go to your annual checkup. It's almost like we need that at like six to eight months postpartum because also what's going to happen in, in specifically in those windows is most women are going to go back to work, but are uh, going to go back to work or they're going to be well situated back at work and they're going to have enough of, um, a, a picture of how they're really doing mentally that if they're, if they are struggling with postpartum dep- depression or any of the disorders that are maternal mental health, that they will actually be able to be identified just by sitting in front of a provider for 30 minutes, you know, and, 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 and that is really important. Yeah. Um, more po- important that we know because um, now we also know how the health of a mother impacts the development of a baby just because we are able to research at a completely different pace than we were 15 years ago. Um, another one is vitamin D, especially for those like us in Portland and Minnesota and those places like that. Most of us are deficient in vitamin D and, um, did I say C, vitamin D? (laughs) Um, and so to know your D levels, like often again, another thing. So, um, out of whack D levels are, um, indicative of, you know, another sign that comes up is anxiety comes up with that. And so you could, you could be having these anxious symptoms, but actually be deficient in again, thyroid disorder, all that kind of stuff and then you know um with a type a Mm -hmm. culture quite frequently um in women um a lot of uh uh, we run ourselves really ragged and so some of those um thyroid um thyroid starts kicking in you know and i'm trying to make it as simple as i can in this conversation but um yeah i just think it's Mm -hmm. like i Mm -hmm. think it's something where it's like if we it's it's, again standard of care at six weeks postpartum is be like do you want an iud (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, right, instead, we should be like, do you want an IUD and come back in like four months and let's just run a blood panel. Like, let's see how your hemoglobin is. Yes. Let's see if you're anemic. Let's see if you're hypo or hyperglycemic or if your sugars are like, let's just see if your body's absorbing everything. And, and, um, because if it's not, then we need to look at some other things and take care of you so that again, you can feel, uh, regulated. I don't want to say normal or any of that stuff, but you can have a new level of homeostasis to get back on your, get back on track for you. Um, yeah, there's a lot right. I could say about that. You, you have another, the, your next tip, um, actually kind of coincides oh, with a listener really email that I got this week. Yeah. So want to help me answer one? Okay. Well, let's, let me read this listener's email okay. and then we'll get to your next tip. Uh, this comes from Sarah and she writes, Hello, Jeannie. Your calm tone has really helped me through my early pregnancy, as well as all the information you provide. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Um, I am hoping you can chat with an expert about pelvic floor disorders and ways to prevent treat. Not something I am currently experiencing, but something I am trying to prevent. I read that in France, pelvic floor therapy is provided to all new mothers. Wouldn't it be great (laughs) if we had that standard of care here? Best. Sarah, second trimester pregnant lady, Sarah, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah. hi, Sarah. Hey, I'm Sarah. Like clapping my hands over here because literally I've been talking about this nonstop. Um, so, yeah. so, yes, I wish that every mom had it like they do in France. That whole article was um, made me very excited. So pelvic floor therapy. I got to have, sit down with a woman on Sunday. I was having a garage sale and this beautiful pregnant woman walks up and she um, is like holding her body, you know, and, and it looked like she was like getting a kick or a butt, you know, from a baby. And I said, getting, you know, mm-hmm. getting hammered over there mm-hmm. in your ribs. And she was just like, no. And she like, we went into it. And, you know, I think about again, yeah. So first of all, if there's anything that you can do to prevent it, I would say while you're in pregnancy, the first thing you can do is find a physical therapist that you like so that once postpartum you're mm-hmm. out of it, then you can go into the repair mode. There's three, there's three and in, in, in I'm working with a physical therapist right now to develop the pelvic floor content for the decks. And, um, I learned three modes of healing and she is going to add to that. And I just learned it from these women at, you know, a midwifery conference many years ago. But um, so in pregnancy, one thing you can do is find a physical therapist you like that works with um, pelvic floor and women's health specifically. And in Chicago, you're going to be able to find those providers by asking a friend or asking your doctor or midwife. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if you don't know, Mm -hmm. I always just say, you know, um, I always say, try to find a friend first, but she could also just email me and I'll help her vet providers. (laughs) So, um, and I'm happy to provide that email and like your content or wherever. And, um, 
Yeah, it, you Give can it do now. it. You can Give say you can email hello at littlemothershelper.com and um, just say looking for a physical therapist in, you know, whatever city you're in. And um, I'll do my best because we're starting to collect those that data and those lists. And I like to help people out no matter what. Um, I was in Chicago a few years ago attending a conference and there was a physical therapy. Oh, yes doctorate there who was discussing this very issue about various techniques that women can use to prevent recover and and i think the one thing is is like if you're having um uh and the prevention part is something that i'm excited to learn more about because i think that like the number one is like getting the person on board because you're gonna have pelvic pressure and you're going to most likely mm-hmm. um, vaginally birth. And with that, your the mm-hmm. muscles of the, the butt, really, like the, the glute muscles and all those kind of things, they get strained and they can, you know, they can get tears or whatever. You know, like we don't realize the injuries that we can get in certain parts of our bodies while we're giving birth to babies. And mm-hmm. also, you know, mm-hmm. um, and also you can, you can, you know, you can wear the belly bands, all that kind of stuff. But, um, to me, what I've learned is that the recovery is like that significant portion of it because you've got to retrain your diaphragm. You've got to, uh, you've got to repair your core clearly. And you also have to restore your breath, you know, like there's things that we just don't think about so much. So, um, we will, um, we have, again, some of, there's some blog posts that are coming up too, that are really again, high level, but then we'll, ha- we'll release the content for the pelvic floor deck in 2018, which is going to be, again, you know what we do bits, like you said, bits of information and that give you some tech, like some mm-hmm. things to work with. And then also, um, work on getting people to providers. Cause I'm also learning from running for so long that I had a, I had tendonitis mm-hmm. of the butt cheek more or less. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, that was, yeah. I a, started peeing my pants when I ran. It was basically like I'd given birth to like two or three children. And um, it was the most painful. Mm-hmm. It was, it was spasming up and down my spine more or less. And I was like, this is wrong. I started going to physical therapy. I've gone twice now and it's revolutionizing my body. And I do cupping, I do massage, mm-hmm. I do acupuncture, I do all that kind of stuff. But for these specific um I think for pregnancy and birth, women, all, all women should go see physical therapists if their insurance affords it and or, mm-hmm. you know, they can pay out of pocket for mm-hmm. it um, uh, because right. everyone's going to have a different birth experience and some women are going to have bigger or greater birth um, injuries than others. And if you don't have a birth injury, then to get that restoration of your breathing and the restoration of your core and, um, and also the diaphragm, getting everything working in the right order, it doesn't take that long. It just takes some practice and some time with the provider. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I just wrote it this morning on a little blog post that's coming up, just saying, this is like, we, we got to do more of this girls, (laughs) you know? And I mean, and the reason is is because we want to, we want to enjoy having sex for, you know, like as long as we want to have sex and um, we want it to feel good. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece is like, I, again, who wants to pee their pants when they're walking but we all <laughs> no but not we, many, many of us do and the other piece i was really plugging for is that like living with pain is not normal and um and and i think women we need to start listening to that other thing is like it's not normal and if you're living with mm-hmm. pain and um then we need to learn how to kind of differentially diagnose i'm going to use that word for ourselves and, um, and oftentimes women don't mm-hmm. know how to do that. So that's one thing that we really teach. We hope to teach women to do is like to learn how to, that, that process of differential diagnosis, which is like, try this. If that doesn't work, then go to this. If that doesn't work, then go to this. You know what I'm saying? And it takes time to find mm-hmm. the right path and yeah. everyone has a different one. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's important that you're validating that the, mm-hmm. these things do happen to women and, yeah, it's not normal, and there really should be help. And very often what happens during their postpartum year is that they're dismissed or they're mm-hmm. told, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's painful. Right? Sorry about that. <laughs> that, that does not yeah. make sense to me when you said yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. How about some ibuprofen? No, kick me honey. in my butt and, like, make it better. That's how I felt for a while. And then finally I was like, okay, got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. But what we find out by using these modalities of physical mm-hmm. therapy and clean eating and exercise and all of these, you know, stress and well-being tips that yes. usually come at the end of a health article, like, oh, and yeah, you could also eat right and exercise and go to physical therapy. Yeah, they Turns are out the they're event. the main event. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they're the main thing going on. Just hope to pull the main events yeah. out <laughs> and, and bring them... Yeah. And then and also like the say, Hey, your relationship, it might get hard. And so here are some tips to like work with your partner on this, you know, and I'm looking at the complain to me baby card yeah. and it's still one of my favorite little activities. And again, that's what's I think great about little mother's helper and all the products that we'll create is that not only the, like the mental health part of this deck has gotten incredible accolades from providers and people and women alike, you know, so that has, that has been, a, it's a real joy of the, like part of the deck for me because it was hard work and I had I had two psychologists pushing me to just be the best I could be in making that content just saying you know you have the opportunity to actually put something Mm -hmm. out into the world that really actually helps women get to care we need this you know like all moms need this but then like the piece of just you know like I love when women come to me they're like the heart section is my favorite you know because it makes me reminds me about my relationship with my partner or you know, and I'm like, good, thank you. You know, so keep mm-hmm. using it and tell your friends. Um, yeah. Because it's, um, it's really the first time, I, lots of people are talking about it, but it's really the first time that it's been put in this format and, so, and, and women are really receiving it well. And I think it speaks to a lot of different types of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what else do you want people to know about oh, the work I you do to in help the world? <laughs> you know, um, that's yeah. a great question. Yeah. Um, we're growing. That's that's exciting. Um, that you you know, I, they, there's like hanging out with us on Instagram and really asking questions. I think that's the thing I take a lot of joy in too. In ha- with the community is that women reach out to me, and as long as you put something in the subject, like I have a question for you, I'm going to like you put it on a podcast, or I'm going to put it. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to take the time out of my day mm-hmm. because I believe in giving mm-hmm. more than I, you know, I'm again, 15 people in one body. I have a lot of energy and I also just believe in giving access to information. So if you have a question and I can do the best to answer it, I will, you know, so I put that out there and, um, mm-hmm. and I, 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 even if I get busy, 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 I just want women to know that that's, I'm available to them. And, um, it's not just me blowing mm-hmm. hot air at people's bums, <laughs> you know, and I want women to mm-hmm. use the product and actually like give me feedback and give us feedback. Cause, um, the it's, you know, what's cool mm-hmm. about it is that since it's evidence based, it, the evidence changes and the information changes. And so we're going to, we're just in this, in the process of like updating it to the next level. And, we're going to have immediate postpartum because I realized like um, our friend, our mutual friend Clancy, when she came out to Montana, she was working on filming something for every mother count. She texted me one morning. She's like, okay, this mom, you know, she told me the symptoms that the mom was having. She's like, is this normal? And I said, that is not normal. Like get that woman to the hospital stat, you know? And, um, and they did. And, and it turned out that this woman very much needed urgent care and, you know, so we want, I was talking mm-hmm. to a physician friend of mine who's again, one of the peer reviewers. And she also writes a lot of like provider content, which is like absolutely stunning. She has written some stunningly gorgeous pieces that I have not yet pu- been able to publish that like will, especially around the racism that's going on right now. And just, um, our wake up call as providers to it. And, um, that, that I can't wait to share. Um, so if women have stories, that's something they can always send our way. <laughs> We'd like to share our stories. But, you know, um, getting women, um, I was just thinking, Clancy, I lost it. Sorry, I lost it. I got excited. But there's a lot I could say, but I just want women to know that we're here for them. And we are looking forward to providing, you know, it's like the immediate postpartum, the pelvic floor, that stuff is coming out next year. And it's just really fun. I can't wait to see women using more of it and um, really putting it to, Mm -hmm. like, sharing it in their communities. Um, so if anyone needs help on yeah. training for an ultra marathon, feel free to ask. <laughs> uh, yeah. It comes with, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I've got it. A... Please. Okay. I've got a couple more questions that I want to ask. Okay. So how do you want to fill in this blank? Nobody ever told me that. I need to brush my teeth every day, like three times a day. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever said that on this uh, podcast. Nobody before. ever told me <laughs> that I would have 
more than one like career. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I have had mm-hmm. absolutely th- four faces of this midwifery career. And it just gets better and better every year. Mm-hmm. And that, and I wrote about something on this uh, on Instagram last week. I was just like, I just will always, at the core of my being, I will, the midwife I will always be. But that there has been so much opportunity once I looked beyond the um, confines of the system or the walls or my social networks. And that's a big been a big lesson for me is that like if I can once I could get beyond. Um, what I thought I was supposed to be, um, all this really, un- like really cool unfolding has happened. <laughs> so n- nobody ever told me that would happen. Mm. Mm. That's, been, That's a pretty yeah, valuable lesson. Not always fun. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I like predictability and you know, meeting expectations <laughs> as much as the next gal. Yeah. Yeah, but so often we find that the the better parts yeah. of life yep. are outside yep. the comfort zone, yep. right? Yeah. But does, no, do they I don't think they so do. But I think that like, zone. I love it. You know, Seth Godin <laughs> is, a, I'm fortunate to be like one of his students. And, um, and he just really, I, I think I really appreciate like em, em, embracing emotional labor and learning to take the leaps and to level up in our lives. And that can be whether that's in your career or your marriage or your family or whatever it is. It's, um, there's those you know, there's those moments in time where we have to make leaps. And, um, I, I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to lead with courage and, and like love is, is better than to lead with fear. So mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. single time, every single time. Okay. Okay. Then one last question. Where are you in your life in relation to motherhood? And that mm-hmm. could mean, you know, your mm-hmm. own mother, yeah, mothers in your ready to be. I'll be real vulnerable on this one. Um, I because I've it's been coming up a lot right. this year because I'm 41, and I really wanted I the one man mm-hmm. I really talked about having a, a family with and a baby with. He passed away a few years ago, and that shook my shook mm-hmm. me a lot. And um and and then I've gotten to 41, and I found last week I've been doing a lot of clearing out and letting go of like my old selves this month, in the last month and a half. And I found a thing from when I was from 2001, like a little writing that was like the very last page of a journal. And I can tell you that I was like living in my truck at the time and I was leading all women's and wilderness trips and doing like empowerment work in the wilderness. And part of one of the things was like, it was kind of like an I dream kind of a little writing. And it said, you know, I, I dreamed to bring life into this world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's one thing I always thought I would do. And so many people are blown away that I don't have kids or that I didn't get into this because of my having kids or all the things. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I've really, and I, then I was going to be introduced to a man this year. And, and one of the disclaimers was that he really wanted to have children. And I said, I said, my response was, I would, I'm open to trying to be the house for a baby or two, <laughs> but like, and I'm definitely into the, like being mm-hmm. a mother, um, two children, but, um, but I don't want the pressure of if my body won't re- like create on its own. I don't necessarily right now want the pressure of uh, of having to do the um, infertility route um, or the IVF route just because mm-hmm. the mother love uh, business is really um, not so much the mother love so much, but the products are definitely like children and family to me, you know. So. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's been a really interesting like thing to work with and energy. I don't want to say thing is a thing, but like the energy to work with of being like, yeah, it's wild that I don't have kids. Like I've said it so much and um, because I always thought I would. Mm-hmm. And yet I have the coolest job in the world that allows me to mother mothers. And there is something that ca- like I can feel mm-hmm. it in my heart right now where I'm like, it's just like kind of pulsing differently where it's like, it's such a cool opportunity that if I can catch women right now and help them grow into like grow over their lifetime and live, um, full, healthy, um, uh, and joyful lives, then I, I, maybe I will, this is the mother I get Mm -hmm. to be this lifetime. And now I'm going to start crying, (laughs) but, um, just like just you know, it's it's mm-hmm. a really amazing mm-hmm. opportunity that like for the last ten years of my life, I've got to 
mother mothers. I just feel really lucky to have delivered Mm -hmm. the women into motherhood that I have and to catch their babies and help them catch their babies and make sure their babies are breathing and make sure that they're not bleeding to death and like all the really basic physiologic things that a midwife does, but that I can Mm -hmm. continue Mm -hmm. to do that in a, in a different level of midwifery, um, has been, uh, you know, if that is my path, then that is my path. And I will have to, at some point, physiologically accept it. (laughs) That's that's a pretty profound Welcome to me. That is why I run long miles. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just like you did, you can't, you can't, I mean, I, I, I never would have thought I would have got to this place without having a baby or three. And I, and then I've had a lot of grief mm-hmm. this year when I like see like the 13 year old, um, uh, girls and boys. Cause I did, uh, you know, like I did get pregnant about 13 years ago. And so, um, but I did not carry it. And so I see those like teenagers mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh man, that would be so cool to have a teenager. Yeah, I know it'd be hard, <laughs> but like, it's definitely been an interesting mm-hmm. reflection to drive by and see teenagers and wonder, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it is. They're interesting people. Well, this has been a really fun conversation, Rebecca. Thanks you for having me. You always have <laughs> such insightful things to say. I love it. I love you. You're amazing. I'm glad that you're doing this. And thank you for thinking of me and including me. It's just such a fun community and it's it is. fun process. Yeah. Thanks. And you're welcome here on the podcast anytime you want. Thank you. If you ever have questions, I'm happy to answer. Deal. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, baby. <laughs> All right. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said. Our guest today was midwife, entrepreneur, and founder of Little Mother's Helper, Rebecca Egbert. And you can learn more about her work at littlemothershelper.com. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at genefaulkner. Email me gene at genefaulkner. Send me your sponsorship questions and don't forget, buy the book, will ya? Also, let me know if there's stuff you want to hear more about, you know, about pregnancy or parenting or politics, whatever. Email me and we'll talk about it. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.